This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by Bosbole.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, good morning and welcome to Open for Business, the show that dives into the journeys and ventures of entrepreneurs and business leaders. This morning on the show, Marin Virumandi and Hazwan Najib, co-founders of digital health platform Doctor on Call. The startup was founded in May 2016 by former management consultants Marin and Hazwan, but their entrepreneurship journey started a year before that in 2015 as they looked to build this out. A key problem that initially looked to be the target was to support doctors and GPs in these saturated major cities by helping them expand beyond geographical boundaries of their clinics to serve patients through video or voice call, therefore allowing the doctors and GPs to not just maximize their time, but better generate revenue. Aside from trying to help doctors on the business side of things, Dr. Oncall was tapping into telemedicine in a bid to help improve accessibility to healthcare providers. Today, the platform provides online medical consultations, deliver, delivers medication through its online pharmacy, hosts a medical specialist search and booking engine, and features health articles and a medical information database, among other things. Today on Open for Business, you will learn about Dr. Oncall's eight-year journey and where they stand today, the role that digital health and telemedicine can play in the healthcare ecosystem, as well as what their ambitions for the company look like ahead. Marin Hazwan, welcome to the show. Thank you, Roshan. Great to be here. Thank you, Roshan. Now, you were both management consultants before uh, you entered the startup ecosystem. Uh, Marin, you were initially at Philip Morris International, then Accenture, then Deloitte. Uh, Hazwan, you were primarily at Accenture, so I presume that's where you both were met. Why did you leave consultancy to enter the entrepreneurship world? Was was it not challenging enough, all the time constraints on you uh, back in consultancy? Well, uh, thank you again, Roshan. And... um, Pretty interesting story, right? Um, as we, we stumbled into healthcare, courtesy of uh, looking into the space and saw, you know, it was a pretty vibrant space that really required... You, you stumbled into it in your consultancy work? Well, through my uh, through our families, right? Mm-hmm. And through a, a separate business venture. And, and we saw how healthcare was really vibrant, growing uh, rapidly with medical inflation being at 15% year on year. But um, at that point in time, and even through now, was pretty much devoid of health tech solutions, mm. specifically to help patients uh, access and find doctors, as well as to help doctors reach out to the patients. And, and that's when we uh, put our heads together, started researching the landscape beyond Malaysia, right, to countries like US, China, being the, the front runners in the digital health revolution, and saw how they were running large-scale platforms, right, the likes of Teladoc and Ping Ungood Doctor and ZocDoc, which were unicorns and even uh, public-listed organizations uh, providing um, a whole variety of services, uh, across telehealth, the online pharmacy space, doctors' bookings, and the likes of it, and and we then, you know, through that research, uh, came to a realization that it was not going to be a Malaysian healthcare provider that was going to embark on on this journey, right? And similar to the to the examples in US and China, it required an external party coming from a, a tech heritage for, or rather a consulting heritage, right, that looked at the specific challenge and, and decided to challenge the, uh, you know, pre-existing notions that healthcare could only be delivered face-to-face 
uh, in the confined rooms uh, of, of a doctor's room, right? And that's when we started emulating and modeling ourselves after uh, these organizations mm. and, and building our own native uh, Malaysian health tech uh, organization in the form of Dr. Angkor. So that's the, that's the opportunity present. But what was the motivation behind it? Because you've got to have a reason why you entered this space, right? Otherwise, uh, what, I mean, yes, it can be a monetary incentive for sure. You saw an opportunity and you thought, let's try our hand at being entrepreneurs here, tap into this market. Maybe you have experience through your families in terms of other people who are in the GP world, in the medical world and the business there. Why did the two of you think that you could do this? Um, let me take that. I was, uh, yes, you're right. I was in consulting, um, working around the clock. And I thought, <laughs> right, you know, if I could do something for myself and working the same number of hours, I, I probably can do wonders for myself instead of doing it for the client. Uh, oh God, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it was, it was a hard uh, start uh, uh, with entrepreneurship. Uh, that was the first time I embarked into the entrepreneurship. I was actually working on the love strategy consulting work in the banking industry. And uh, within banking industry, you see uh, a lot of uh, move to digital, right? I mean, you start off bank, branch banking to ATM to internet banking, phone banking, and then now digital banking. I probably you don't even remember when was the last time you visited <laughs> the banking branch, right? So I, I saw that evolution and I said, okay, but why is it? Uh, and I was also a new father then. Uh, I was thinking why is it so uh, not so convenient to get any medical care but with banking now it's just at your fingertips right so how is it so like you know these two worlds so uh, there's such a big gap right in terms of technology and that's when uh, he called me up and then <laughs> say, hey we, uh, uh, let's do this or let, and then I was doing a couple of uh, searches to validate whether whether this is the right way to go and what I realised is in Malaysia, uh, outpatient medical consult, uh, outpatient medical visit to clinics, public and private, there were about 120 odd millions uh, every year. Mm. So that's almost like, you know, four times uh, per person on average per year, which is a lot. Yeah. So you had a little bit of your own scratch to, uh, and your own age to scratch there. Um, uh, Marin, you saw an opportunity available here. You both decided to leave the consulting world and build your own company here. Obviously, you've realized along the way, a lot tougher when it's uh, your risk that you're taking on as you build this. Uh, talk to us about that transition. What was it like moving, uh, that experience <clears throat> moving from a salaried or a, a, a consultant job uh, where you're dealing mm. with clients and becoming essentially the client side of things. What was that transition like for the both of you? What were the key lessons learned along the way? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll start off by, um, you know, explaining a little bit about the, the development journey, right? So we, we were kind of fortunate that um, as our, our previous roles and, and background required us to take a hard look at an old problem, Mm. And, and try to adopt a new approach and building it out uh, from scratch in the form of you know, a, a pilot on MVP, you know, backed up by some research and, and trying to pivot rapidly. And we, so we, we adopted the same pragmatic approach to, to Dr. On Call. Um, and when we first started off uh, building our own telehealth platform, there were no uh, ready-made solutions in, in Malaysia. And uh, so I tried to, you know, uh, did the whole uh, process flow, did the whole design, took it to a couple of uh, developers, 
they couldn't build it uh, or at least they quoted a number that was astronomical <laughs> at that at point so i um contacted the guys a couple of guys from over in india and saw that they were you know just ahead of us in in that journey so i took jumped on a plane for the first time in my life to india uh headed down there of course forgot that i i needed a visa <laughs> had to uh, make an immediate uh back trip to malaysia applied for the visa i headed down there the next day or the next week and um started developing a a, a solution and we then took it back here and kept on working on it with our our own development team in Malaysia to very rapidly iterate and build solutions um across our websites to include the e-prescription modules the the uh, doctors modules the pharmacy modules and all those uh, additional modules which were revenue accretive as well as provided you know a, a functional purpose to the, both the stakeholders and the healthcare professionals as well as the patients and this was when you were building it correct so right. you, you didn't have a platform up yet official launch was may 2016 mm-hmm. uh you were doing all that research between in the year preceding uh that launch uh marin uh hazwan after this we'll talk a little bit about where uh dr ankol is today as well as what the role uh is that what role telemedicine will play in the healthcare ecosystem over here in malaysia folks have been speaking with marin veromandi and hazwan najib co-founders of digital health platform dr ankol and roshan kanasan you're listening to open for business we'll be back in just a bit so keep it here to bfm 89.9 the business station Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Behold freedom, Malaysia. BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business is powered by BossBolle.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9 welcome back to open for business I'm Roshan Kanisan and this morning I'm speaking with Marun Virumandi and Hazwan Najib co-founders of digital health platform Dr on call um no secret gentlemen that the pandemic was a big push for digitalization your numbers looked quite good during the pandemic year itself the first year 2020 uh, online medical consultations on Dr on call hit more than 200,000 in October uh, where you were at 100,000 in March that year monthly page views also quadrupled to 4.1 million throughout the same period uh, tell us a little bit about where you are today in terms of the key usage metrics that you're watching okay um So we uh, I like to explain in a in, in a bit of a funnel right so Dr Onko when we designed it uh, of course we started off as a, a telehealth online clinic but then we realized that healthcare journey of an individual uh, they start way earlier online right so that's when you start googling for conditions right you know uh, what is this left side headache right side headache and, and so on right and for english speakers us we we tend to stumble into pages like webmd health lines and so on right but what we realized then was there's very much lack of content in uh, local language bahasa and uh, mandarin we uh, we would try to get into like uh, much later on and because when you search for any malay bahasa keyword say sakit kepala or rawatan kencing manis 
the first few pages of Google, what you will stumble on back then will be uh, those product peddlers selling all sorts of uh, unapproved medicines and, 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 and treatments, right? So we thought that, okay, look, um, people's healthcare, people need this, right? Because people are moving to digital and they need to be served with the correct content. Then we bring back uh, the business model to start with uh, creating a funnel of people coming to the site. So we sort of become the first WebMD of uh, Malaysia mm. in both Bahasa and English. We also have forums because you have no idea how many people go to, say, Laoyak Forum to ask for medical questions. Right. So when we started that, um, before we had that, we were doing uh, the visits to the site was probably about five to 10,000 people a month. Right. Uh, the moment we start that within six months, we grew to uh, 500,000. And within like, you know, uh, a year, we get up to a million traffic to our site every month. Right. And during pandemic, it goes up to five million traffic on the site every month. So that's when the final starts. Uh, now it's stabilized around uh, 1.5 to 2 million uh, traffic uh, to our site per month. So people come consume content, browse, and then find out a bit more. And then they have access to our online pharmacy and online marketplace. Uh, that's when they start doing the transactions. Right? Now, for the most part, you are just a platform. You are connecting customers with healthcare providers and professionals. With content, you are now taking some responsibility where you are posting on your uh, on your website, where does the medical expertise come in or the quality <coughs> assurance to ensure that you are providing <coughs> correct or accurate medical advice through the content you're putting out on the platform? Yeah. Yeah, all our contents are written and vetted by a medical professional, a licensed medical professional. We make sure of that because if we didn't do that, then there's no difference between us and anyone who's posting mm -hmm. uh, quite online content uh, on healthcare, yes. Content is a big part of the, uh, of the funnel or uh, getting people to your platform. But you also provide, as we mentioned earlier, online medical consultations. But there are limitations to <coughs> consulting a, uh, a patient <coughs> digitally through video. You're not going to be able to take their temperature. You're not going to be able to see them and talk to them in a more organic manner. So how do you filter through that? Right? How do you make mm. sure that you are engaging the potential patients that should engage through a digital manner versus those who should come into the clinic to be consulted. Mm. Uh, th that is uh, correct. There are limitations to uh, telemedicine, right? So we have, uh, I mean, that is definitely the first thing that's thrown at us. Like, oh, how are you going to make sure that patient is safe and so on? Mm -hmm. So I said, uh, every platform, every channel has a role, right? just like internet banking. There's only so much you can do in internet banking. Anything more serious, you have to go to the branch. Right. Same thing here. Um, as I said, people start the healthcare journey way earlier before they see a doctor, right? Searching online without platform like us where you connect to medical professionals online, right? You will, okay, you will read something online and you make a decision. And that is the danger, right? When people start self-medicating, uh, doing all uh, delaying treatment and without actually getting that first uh, opportunity to speak to the doctor before... And, and uh, from our healthcare professionals on our platform, they are very clear, right? If they can't solve it, they won't be so, uh, I mean, they, they, they won't be like so uh, taking risks to say that, oh, okay, I'm just going to give you this medicine. I said, oh, that sounds like a lot more serious. Please uh, visit a physical clinic because doctors are licensed and they also need to be protected from any uh, liability and so on. Right. Yeah. So there is a range of, I guess, uh, Conditions. Uh, a, a, yes, a range of conditions that can be 
adequately managed on the platform before going to a physical uh, in-person uh, treatment. But I guess it also allows for that. You know, before this, you feel a little sick. You don't go to the doctor because you don't want to go through that hassle. Correct. There is a little bit of an open market, a new market here in terms of people who maybe are approaching sickness, but don't feel like they need to go to the clinic just yet, but just want to double check to make sure they're okay or whether it's anything more serious. There were some really key lessons that was learned during COVID, mm. right? When, when we got a call from the health ministry uh, back in February, 2020 and um, and, and they, they asked us how how would you solve this problem right if this problem uh, exacerbates and becomes you know a, a national issue and again in February 2020 we couldn't we couldn't see how COVID was going to uh, engulf us in a two-year-long battle through four waves and with multiple rounds of, of lockdowns our our, uh, our guidance to them was that we were we're going to create a platform, which we eventually did, uh, to allow for patients to consume healthcare content and then use health AI to self-diagnose or at least do a self-assessment, high-level assessment that we did in nine languages, including Bangladeshi, Nepali, and the likes of it. And then move down that funnel to do teleconsults uh, before the doctor offers them a, um, a guidance or a referral to do the, at that point of time, a PCR test and then even subsequently to an RTK test, a rapid test kit, uh, and even an in-person uh, visit, right? And so that helped manage the healthcare assets in, in, a, in a very practical uh, way, while at the same time provide a really useful case study to all of us, be it from the retail as well as the corporate insurance uh, uh, members, that telemedicine is it's not an end to itself. It's a, it's a means to address uh, a larger issue around the aging population, as one was alluding to, as well as patients suffering from chronic conditions. So, you know, I think most of us are fortunate not to be stuck with uh, diabetes or hypertension, cholesterol, and, and the list goes on. But if you are afflicted by one of those conditions, that's when the monthly visits to the doctors, the quarterly uh, blood tests, the monthly or daily medication intake will start adding up from a cost perspective while also really consuming a lot of the patient's time, mm. right? And that's, that's really the key segment that has stuck on to Dr. On Call post-pandemic. It's these patients who are unfortunately stuck with many of them lifestyle conditions, but also some of them uh, due to uh, their home, their, their health, uh, their, 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 their legacy or family history, who find our platform uh, all-in-one, you know, one-stop center for them not only to talk to the doctors, but go on to book an appointment, get a home nurse in, get their medications delivered, get it claimed by the insurance companies. And, and that's ended up being the 20% the of our patient base mm. who contributes to 80% of the transactions, usage, and, and the revenues. Gentlemen, a big question will be around quality assurance because uh, neither of you are doctors. So how are you ensuring that you are only putting the practitioners and providers to ensure that the optimal quality, do you have someone on staff? Do you have a founding member who is a doctor? How are you doing this? Mm. Yeah, so we have uh, in the founding members, we uh, we do have a medical lead and also a, a pharmacist as well to sort of uh, guide us through this process. At the beginning, it was um, difficult. It, it's not it's not. Uh, difficult in a sense how to get the doctors or how to make sure the doctors does his job well it's uh, uh, getting doctors who's never done uh, online consult 
And for they them, so they're also confused in terms, okay, where is the line? In Back in 2016, there's no guidance. Mm-hmm. Uh, guidance came, uh, I mean, there's no guidelines. Uh, it came four years later. So we had a, a medical lead who's actually, okay, let's, maybe we can try this. Every doctor, they have this uh, clinical practice guidelines to deal with certain complaints. Let's say someone come in with a complaints of like, you know, a rashes, right? You know, how they take the patient through and all that. So, okay, let's see, like, you know, we can try to have an online version of this. We were with a few doctors and uh, they turn out to, I mean, the, the first initial set of doctors, they are figuring it out how to do it online uh, sans, uh, without the proper guidelines. Mm. And then after that, uh, I mean, eight years later, the doctors now who has been on platform, many of them has been on platform for the last uh, eight years as well. Whenever there's a new doctors uh, joining, we have, uh, you know, like uh, some of the more senior, more experienced doctors helping them out, right? And we have also like established internally guidelines uh, in line with uh, whatever that is uh, the, the clinical practice guideline that's available out there to treat certain conditions or to, to manage certain conditions. But ultimately, the doctors are practicing their judgment in terms of, okay, what do they need to do? Because many of them many of them are very familiar with, you know, where's the limit and where, where's that line that they need to draw. Mm-hmm. You know, there are a few, probably like, you know, five to ten top conditions that they are very used to dealing with on our platform as well. If I can add from the uh, regulatory standpoint, uh, the uh, Malaysian Medical Council, MMCs, <coughs> as well as uh, <coughs> the National Pharmacy Regulatory Authority, NPRA, and the various other organizations around MDA, Ministry of Health, do provide very robust re- set of regulations and, and um, uh, licensing that makes it pretty easy for us, as well as members of the public, to find out what drugs are approved, Doctors who may have uh, issues, uh, licenses, right? Uh, their specialist registration and, and the likes of it. So we do lean on this existing set of tools um, to actually ensure that we are always working with approved parties, approved uh, medication and the likes of it. And, and I have to say that this has been, uh, in our conversation with our regional peers, this has been a, a major benefit of uh, starting out in Malaysia and working with the Malaysian parties, although they've always sided on the side of conservatism and been a little bit lagging in terms of uh, pushing the envelope <laughs> from a digital side of things, but it's actually been a, a major benefit as opposed to starting some of the, the more cowboyish mm. countries around the, the region where they have great doctors, great pharmaceutical products, but a whole number of them do fall into this grey market, black market and illegal practices. Folks, I've been speaking with Marin Virumandi and Hazwan Najib, co-founders of digital health platform Doctor On Call. I'm Roshan Kanisan, you're listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. Powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Bias Free Media, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Open for Business is powered by BossBolet.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. 
BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kanesan, and this morning I've been speaking with Marin Virumandi and Hazwan Najib, co-founders of digital health platform Doctor On Call. Earlier we got a sense for how this company started and the journey that they've been on over the last seven, eight years and where they see their role in telemedicine. Doctor On Call enrolled in the National Technology and Innovation Sandbox, the NTIS. Uh, this was an initiative by mostly the Ministry of Science, Technology and Innovation. This was to allow products and services, business models, and delivery mechanisms to be tested in a more live environment. Sandbox allowed you to build and test out Doctor On Call with some guardrails, with some safety on your end, Mm. given the fact that there wasn't any direct legislation to regulate the digital health space. What's the situation like today? So as a, as a follow-on from the NTI National Technology Innovation Sandbox, the uh, um, Minister of Health also then created another sub-sandbox called Online Healthcare uh, Services uh, Sandbox, where they're dealing on issues specifically on that we have been uh, asking them over the years, right? Uh, things like, you know, uh, the online guidelines, the limit of service, and I'm asking how do we... Uh, there are certain things, right? Uh, even to the very detail, what can be shown, what cannot be shown, and 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 things like that. So we've been working working very closely with the committees on the online healthcare regulation. The couple of healthcare pro- uh, providers are also on it as well. Everyone is, including some of the traditional, including uh, uh, I believe uh, organisations like KPJ are uh, in in fact that sandbox as well. Right, um, and this is to push. Uh, the agenda forward as well in terms of okay we need these clear guidelines and a safe place for us to test our sandbox as well as share the relevant data points uh, in this space right so the the committee has been asking in terms of the some of the patient safety customer feedback uh, even they they ask us to uh, incidents and complaints that happen on your platform so they have been like monitoring and 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 collecting all this data so that they know how to it create a very robust uh, guideline as well moving forward. Uh, you talked about how some of the incumbents are also in that sandbox. Mm. Uh, I think the big question here would be, you know, for people of a certain size, companies of a certain size, they can go in, out and build their own platforms, uh, digital health platforms. So who are you here to cater to then? And how are you going to manage the competition from incumbents who say, mm. um, we don't need you, uh, we can build it ourselves? Okay. So, um, you know, you're right. And, and that does... That's a question that has uh, pretty much plagued us right from uh, day one, <laughs> right? Um, right from investors to advisors. Um, there's always been questions around whether you will survive the test of time uh, with the incumbents being the large hospital chains and the clinics and pharmacy chains uh, coming into this space. And we've been fairly uh, fortunate in the sense that we've presented ourselves as a health tech organization to support the likes of this large pharmacy, clinic and hospital chains and have gotten them on our right side, right? In um, specifically to, to do the functions and roles that are a little bit beyond them in terms of developing cutting edge health tech solutions, uh, going ahead with the insurance integration and going ahead um, and, and driving that, that customer acquisition. And I like to see, see ourselves as the the bookings.com mm. on Agoda and Expedia and the Travel Locas to the likes of the Hiltons and, and the Marriott's, right? Obviously, the Hiltons and Marriott's could have built their own solutions, but they decided to take, a, again, a very 
pragmatic uh, value-focused approach to focus on their asset management and customer service and leave the, the very complex uh, work around what I've mentioned earlier to the experts from, from the online travel agency perspective. But from a health tech perspective, there's an added uh, layer. When, when we go out there to offer a digital healthcare platform, we don't only look at a Zoom technology uh, from a voice and video call. It has to be underpinned by a complex network of uh, rules around patient health records, around cybersecurity, uh, the e-prescription, the online prescriptions, the insurance integration services, and a whole host of other uh, modules, right? Um, that, that runs this whole digital healthcare platform. So it's, it, it may be a bit naive to say that you can just go out there and hook up uh, Google Meet and Zoom and get a, a doctor's consult going. And you can just you know use an e-commerce Shopify-like solution to get your medication delivered because the whole work around integrating all of these sub-modules I spoke to you about has been an issue that's actually prevented many of the um, incumbents from moving ahead, mm. um, as well as the fact that it's you know we do a pretty decent job of sending you know <laughs> thousands and 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 you know bookings and as well as orders and deliveries to these partners where I think that they begin to see that they may as well stay close to their knittings while we focus on uh, being the service provider to them and mm. it's a. A, it's a winning proposition. Yeah. So the ability to navigate the regulatory hurdles and the regulatory frictions is a value proposition in, in its right, in its own right, yeah, to you and to the the medical practitioners that use your platform. Certainly so, and I, I can just add another perspective from a from a patient or a corporate and insurance perspective, right? Um, many of them would rather come to a platform and, and search for medications or doctors and specialists and get an array of providers cutting across uh, the different geographies, cutting across the different hospital and clinics and pharmacy groups, as well as uh, price points, mm. right? Um, and, and this by itself is a proposition that, again, the main reason why you'd rather jump on bookings.com as opposed to Hilton's, right? Because, you know, you just want that variety and, mm. and, and choice, right? You don't want to be encumbered by only a, a particular provider. So I, I, although they, they may be, and I'm sure through the evolution of time, will, there will be a solution provided by these major chains, right? To cater to their own constituents. But I believe that the big bulk of insurance and corporate as well as retail clients would jump to uh, agnostic a provider agnostic platform such as ours and then make on their make their decisions and if the friction is is clear from both the pricing and the convenience perspective go on to transact on our platform and along with this whole virtuous cycle of getting their patient health records updated and getting uh, you know recommended services offered to them and, and deals as well as you know uh, many of the other attractions of being on a particular platform Marin, Aswan, we've got to go into a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk about the monetization and as well as your Series B funding round, which I understand you are currently looking to raise. Folks, I've been speaking with Marin Viramandi and Hazwan Najib, co-founders of digital health platform Doctor on Call. I'm Roshan Kandasan. You're listening to Open for Business. We'll be back in just a bit, so keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Open for Business will reopen in a few moments. 
powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. Bloggers for Malaysia, BFM 89.9. Open for Business is powered by BossBully.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. BFM 89.9, welcome back to Open for Business. I'm Roshan Kandesan and this morning I've been speaking with Marin Rirumandi and Haswan Najib, co-founders of digital health platform Doctor On Call. Marin, earlier you likened Doctor On Call essentially to Bookings.com or maybe even Airbnb. Um, a lot of these platforms derive revenue in a few ways. There is going to be transaction fees. There are going to be maybe even subscription service fees. There are also advertising fees that they can generate based on how they work their platforms. Um, there are regulatory hurdles when it comes to these kind of things in the medical landscape. How does Doctor On Call generate revenue? How are you and how are you engaging with the regulators ensure, to ensure that it is uh, all on the up and up? So uh, we make money in all the ways uh, that you had mentioned <laughs> earlier, and, and and you know to be frank with you, it's a it's a three sided marketplace. We we do have the demand side with the insurance and the retail patients. Um, you do have the healthcare professionals who also uh, come onto our platform to use our services, and you have the health the life sciences and biotech organisations who also leverage on our platform from a traffic and from a treatment perspective. So the conventional method and the, the bulk of uh, our revenues is derived from the transactions that we offer to the patients and the payers, right? And at, at this point of time, in uh, what we refer to Dr. On Call version 2.0, in which we actually procure the services from the healthcare professionals or the pharmaceutical products and uh, avail it to the, our patients. Uh, we do earn a, a revenue as well as, as a gross margin, right? Um, to, to add to that, the uh, insurance organizations and many of the uh, payer uh, segments do ask us to provide value-added services in, and a service level agreement that we tie in with them to, uh, that's pretty, pretty uh, stringent and pretty robust. So we do collect a subscription fee to ensure that we provide a medical concierge-like service to these patients who I mentioned to you earlier suffer from chronic conditions and uh, needs which are unique to them. Right. Aaron, where are you in terms of revenue today? Um, you know, we are a private organization. So um, we, are, we have been growing three to four X year on year between 2016 to um, 19. And, and when COVID happened, you know, we were off on a rocket ship. Uh, largely driven by the respective lockdowns. And that number kept on uh, growing rapidly. Post-pandemic, we saw the writings on the wall that uh, COVID was not going to last forever. Mm -mm. Right? It did last longer in other geographies as opposed to Malaysia. But we then very quickly moved on to focus on patients suffering from chronic conditions and, and started betting down uh, post our Series A on developing what we like to refer as Dr. On Call 3.0. What is Dr. On Call 3.0? So Dr. On Call 3.0 refers to uh, three key uh, elements, right? Uh, which is currently missing or still in evolution. So first of all is our um, aim to actually offer a marketplace to the healthcare providers. So currently, as you come to Doctor On Call, you see a Doctor On Call brand, you see products being sold by a Doctor, by Doctor On Call itself. Uh, nevertheless, we believe that 
patients make their decision based on the providers, mm. be it the pharmacy chain, the clinics and hospitals and, and the doctors. And so we should offer them a storefront, a, clin- a digital clinic, a digital pharmacy that allows them to go ahead and offer their best services, their best products at their own available times, their own service levels and their own pricing points, right? While we take care of managing all the heavy uh, heavy lifting around tech and marketing and, and digital customer acquisitions as well as the insurance integration. And so this really has been our aim right from day one, but it's been you know, pretty challenging uh, navigating <laughs> around the regulatory I'm hurdles sure. around the Medicine Advertisement Sales Act and various other um, sub-regulations. So that's the first objective. The second objective is to offer the patients, right, this wide variety. So our vision is for patients to come in and see all uh, 11,000 uh, clinics, right, and all uh, six, 7,000 pharmacies, as well as thousands of 60,000 over doctors on a single platform for them to, if you want to speak to a Mandarin-speaking uh, OBGY, uh, you know, obstetric doctor, mm-hmm. in your own native language, uh, and and set a time at six, you know, at, on a Tuesday at five p.m. for your grandmother to come over, right? For a women's health condition, you can do that and find that on a single platform, rather than the typical ways of picking up your phone and trying to call up uh, the various uh, groups of people. And the final objective of uh, our doctor on call 3.0 is really to bring the best of Malaysian healthcare to the international uh, market. So we know that uh, medical tourism is now a 2 billion ringgit market. It's forecasted to be 2 billion and even top that in 2024. We know that Malaysian doctors do have uh, health in high regards across the region. We have very high standards. The pricing points also really great, right? You, there's nowhere else in uh, the region that you can find a GP at 30 ringgit or mm-hmm. you know anything between 15 to 35 ringgit. And, and so, I believe a lot of them have been hidden courtesy the fact that they, they lack a digital channel for a patient in you know Jakarta or, uh, or any parts of Indonesia, right? Pekanbaru and Medan, or let alone uh, even across the border in Singapore to find that same uh, doctor. Because the barriers of getting onto Instagram or TikTok, uh, creating your own website uh, is, is not really what the doctors were trained to do. And that's what we want to uh, provide the service to. Yeah, medical tourism has largely been the domain of the big hospital chains because of their ability to market to uh, customers overseas. You're right. Um, so you're hoping to democratize that a little bit. Absolutely. Um, series B funding, uh, before we get to that, talk to us a little bit about how much money you've raised so far. What can you tell us about that and how it's been utilized and your aims for your Series B? Right. So um, we've actually been very fortunate uh, to raise about seven and a half mil US over the last um, seven years, primarily through our angel rounds back in 2018 and 19, uh, followed on what our Series A, when we were um, uh, pleasantly surprised to to have the likes of Samsung Ventures from Korea um, um, lead the round along with the likes of uh, Finier from Netherlands, uh, there was Kony & Co that came in in earlier rounds. And of course, it was also co-led by uh, MTDC, 
Malaysian Tech Development uh, Corporation, which is you know an outfit under Gazana, and uh, they've been you know instrumental in guiding us along this 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 journey, in in us you know putting a lot of um, um, organization and structure as well as governance uh, to drive our our Doctor Uncle Three or rather our international foray. Aims for your Series B round? Are you? Is there a number you can share with us in terms of how much you're looking to raise? Sure. So um, we are looking at raising about uh, ten million dollars, right? And um, the the primary primary use of the the utilization of the investment would be um, approximately fifty percent of it for both domestic as well as international marketing. I think Dr. Call, despite having, you know, anything close to 30 million visitors on, a, on an annual basis, we believe that we can 5x that uh, in, in a near uh, term uh, period. And that will require us really driving native health content in both Bahasa Indonesia as well as a couple of other languages, including Mandarin and, and rap and the likes of it, right? Really replicate what has what we have done really well in Malaysia out there to win the trust of uh, the international market because we do understand that we're going to be new kids on the block when we come to Indonesia as well as you know bringing Malaysian healthcare out to the region what can you tell us about the profitability or the pathway to profitability of doc of uh, doctor uncle so, uh, Doctor Uncle has been, you know, uh, laser focused um, on profitability right from day one, right? Uh, largely because it was uh, funded, self-funded for the first three, four years. So, you know, um, <laughs> post you know, selling a couple of kidneys as well, mortgaging <laughs> your house. Not just kidding, but um, but also you know working with a very very um, vested group of uh, investors. Many of them were family and friends and and partners from the old old bosses back from Accenture. <laughs> Deloitte, who um, told us that the best way to to last the test of uh, you know the test of time is to build our own solutions, and so we've avoided you know uh, having big budgets of building things in a in a heartbeat across Vietnam or India, but we sat down and and focus on building our own tech solution. We've also took a very uh, conservative approach of building healthcare content rather than just burning money on you know uh, customer acquisition channels, but and we've also stayed close to the regulations of avoiding promotions and freebies and free gifts as as effort to you know just get customers on board, right? Because it's something that's not typically looked upon favorably mm. in the healthcare space. So that has always helped us to you know be be on a clear path to profitability and uh, post pandemic when we saw that uh, covid was not going to just lift all boats or ships rather we we took approach of actually hiving off the the business units which were not revenue positive or rather profitable and and we've now proud to say that you know through a pretty painstaking exercise <laughs> of, of cost cutting and managing our overhead and our customer acquisition as well as our margins. We are on a we are actually a bit positive now, right? Again, um, we do seek this uh, this round in Series B to raise the ten million dollars because um, what has made us a positive has also been a double edged sword in actually keeping our revenues flat post uh, pandemic. 
and and we would like to return back to you know growing in a more robust manner right a 50% year on year uh, moving forward while providing healthcare services to the market uh, to wrap up the conversation as we before we go into the news bulletin what's the most likely kind of exit for this kind of business in your mind um, based on what you've seen overseas or what you and husband uh, have discussed internally as well Yep. So this, this is a conversation that we've been having uh, since day one, right? Because we understand that health tech is at the intersection of healthcare as well as uh, insurance. And so both the healthcare providers do view health tech players favorably mm. as being a, a platform to drive demand. And the healthcare <coughs> pro, uh, payers view us also as a platform to help manage their members, manage their cost and, and keep engagements high. So if you look at the likes of US and, and China and even India, traditional routes has been uh, mergers and acquisition, uh, roll-ups as, as one point, right, by uh, larger digital health organizations across, across their regions um, in an effort to actually go towards either an M&A by those two uh, key parties that I mentioned to you earlier, um, and in certain cases, along with the likes of Ping An Good Doctor and American Well and Teladoc, there has been successful IPOs, which uh, has proven to be uh, profitable, albeit the fact that it took a couple of you know, uh, years for them to keep launching new products and new services and, and hitting that, um, that economies of scale. So it's still, you're keeping your options open at this point? Fair enough. And then and again, I think, um, you know, Malaysia is, I mean, we're fortunate, right, to be in, in Malaysia where there are large healthcare organizations, mm. right, uh, homegrown organizations, which which at this point of time may have, uh, you know, a very basic or rudimentary uh, health tech uh, and digital healthcare platform. And they may want to supercharge their growth by bolting on players uh, such as ours, as well as the fact that I see with what the Bursa is doing and, and Cradle and MDEC, there is there's a, a major mo- momentum towards uh, listing, mm. right, on the Malaysian markets as well as the regional markets. And I think that's something that we are actively looking at. Uh, gentlemen, I wish we had more time to talk about uh, Dr. On Call, but we're going to have to wrap it there for now, at least. Um, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you, you Roshan. Folks, I've been speaking with Marun Virumandi and Hasman Najib, co-founders of digital health platform Doctor on Call. And Roshan Gunnison, you've been listening to Open for Business. Up next, we've got Resource Center, so keep it here to BFM 89.9, the business station. Are you open for business? Register your company with BossBalay.com, Malaysia's first online company secretary. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. For more stories of the same kind, Download the BFM app.